Hi, this is Bill Woods up here in Sun Valley, Arizona, and I'm kind of celebrating for the fact that it's getting warmer. Uh, last night, it only got down to 24. It's been getting down to like 8 or 9 at night, and today it's going all the way up to 51 degrees, and so I'm feeling pretty good because I think spring is here. And anyhow, I'm rejoicing. I want to talk a little bit today about the topic is I won't die for something I don't believe in. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, we read where Paul said, That is why I am suffering here in prison. But I'm not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. You get a picture of old Paul sitting there in his jail cell waiting for the executioner to come. He was cold. He was hungry. He was lonely. He'd been beaten, stoned, left for dead. In fact, his testimony is in 2 Corinthians 11, 25 through 29, where it says, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been very hungry and thirsty and often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? And who is led astray, and I do not burn with anger? Paul had been through it all because of his love for Jesus Christ. But Paul wasn't complaining. Anyone else would have been wallowing in self-pity, but not old Paul. He was a trooper. He was instructing young Timothy to hang in there because Whatever he had to face was minor in comparison to his relationship with Jesus Christ. Satan tried to discourage Paul. He tried to destroy Paul, but he couldn't stop Paul. Paul was kind of like the ever-ready bunny, just kept going and going and going. Listen to what the old apostle is saying in 2 Timothy 1.12. That is why I'm suffering here in prison but I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I'm sure that he is able to guard that I have entrusted to him until the day of, re of his return. He was about to die for something that he believed in. That was Jesus Christ. You know, we need convictions like that. We need to be grounded so completely that nothing will shake us. We especially need to be grounded in our faith as things develop in our near future. I need to tell you, hang in there because you ain't seen nothing yet. I have a sign in my office that said I've been beaten, kicked, lied to, cussed at, swindled, taken advantage of, and laughed at. But the only reason I hang around this crazy place is to see what will happen next. I think that's what old Paul's motto must have been too. You know, the world's getting less and less tolerant of genuine Christians. We're coming under more and more pressure to compromise our faith. It's happened before in history. It's happening now in other countries. And it's building the United States of America. 
Religious liberties in the United States are in the crosshairs of the militant secular agenda following the election and inauguration of the Democrat regime, and so many of them are pushing their Marxist schemes, wanting to turn our nation into a communist nation. Why? Well, John 3.19 says, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. You know, you must choose a side because you can't stand strong on top of a fence. God's purification of our faith isn't new. Millions of Christians before us have suffered persecution or pressure like is happening in America, and God's still God and we're still his children. So our Father will take care of us if we'll be faithful and willing to stand for him. Throughout history, God's people have been forced to bow to godless agendas, decrees, ordinances, laws, yet they've refused to bow and suffered intense persecution. Other times, God's people have been forced not to bow to God, his boundaries, his laws, his words, Yet they chose to bow in reverence and face the fires of persecution as well. Either way, persecutors want God's faithful, uh, obey man, not God. They want us to obey man and not God, and, and to bow or not to bow. And their easiest targets are the fence-sitters. So, if you're straddling the fence, please move to God's side and trust that he's got your back. We've nothing to fear, and we can't forget that Jesus is in heaven speaking about our courage to the Father. Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. I want you to know I want Jesus to look at me and say to God the Father, He's one of ours. Look at him down there trying to serve Jesus Christ. You know, we need to be grounded so completely in our faith and convictions that we're unshakable. That's the attitude of the Christians in the Middle East today that are going through all the persecution and suffering they're going through. ISIS, and yes, ISIS still exists. There's still about 80,000 80, of them is freaked out by Christians in the Middle East because they can't get them to break. They keep doing worse and worse things to them, and nobody's crying, nobody's begging for their lives. They're all going quietly, and ISIS can't figure it out. It's because these martyrs have found something they believe in enough to die for. You know, if we can get to where we can look another man in the eye and say, I'm not moving. I won't compromise my beliefs or my Savior. I don't wish you ill. I don't have any problem with you personally, but I'm not moving. There ought to be something in us that makes an enemy say, they're serious. We're watching our nation build towards the same intolerant treatment of Christians. Does faith precede courage or courage precede faith in being willing to die for what you believe in? Elijah Lovejoy was active in Missouri in the 1820s and 1830s during the Missouri Compromise when the Federal Com Congress said, we're going to allow slavery. He opposed slavery. He was a preacher. His brother Owen was a preacher. He didn't consider himself an abolitionist, but he was a preacher. 
he had a weekly magazine called The Observer, and that magazine featured religious articles. He started touching on the slavery issue and writing about what he thought of slavery. His press was smashed and burned three times. Each time he put it back. In those circumstances, you come face to face with what you believe. Is it enough to die for? He wrote in the Observer, I shall come out openly, fearlessly, and as I hope in such a manner as becomes a servant of Jesus Christ when defending his cause. And whatever may be the consequences, I think, I trust, that through the grace of God I am prepared to meet them, even unto death itself. He said, My friends are trembling. My enemies, numerous and influential, are open and fiercer in their threats, but I can only say I was never more calm. I have fasted and prayed. I have earnestly sought the path of duty and think I am assured that I have found it. And now I am determined that not all the fury of men or devils shall drive me from it. Yet you need not be disappointed to hear that I have fallen a victim at least to the lash or the tar barrel. He said, if the, they content themselves with whipping, I will not run until I've been whipped as often at least as Paul was, eight times. He prepared himself for what was coming, except the next time they killed him. They shot him. They assassinated him and burned his press down over his head. But he found something he believed in enough to die for. John Huss uh, was one of the key forerunners of the Reformation. He devoted himself to scripture and taught that Christ, not the Pope, is the head of the church. In 1414, Huss was hauled before the Council of Constance to defend his beliefs. He was convicted of heresy and sentenced to be burned at the stake unless he recanted. Huss stood firm, or stood firm. On the day of his martyrdom, he said, God is my witness that the evidence against me is false. In the truth of the gospel I have written, taught, and preached today, I will gladly die. As the crackling flames consumed him, he joyfully sang a hymn. He found something he believed in enough to die for. You know, we need strong convictions so we can say with Paul in 2 Timothy 1.12, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You know, we need convictions about the awfulness of sin. Galatians 6.7 says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Today's churches and today's Christians, for the most part, have become so soft on sin that they don't even recognize sin when it's flaunted in their faces. We've softened terms. Sin, I want to tell you, sin is still sin, no matter if you call it a mistake or something else. Sin is still sin, and all sinners will still go to hell unless they repent. However, like I said, they don't have to go to hell because God provided a way for them to escape hell. Today, everybody claims to be Christians. When I was a kid, God may not have gotten the recognition he deserves, but today he gets more publicity than he deserves. 
People used to hide their light under a bushel. Today it'd be good if some had the sense not to share their testimony. Too many politicians claim to be Christians, but there's no fruit. We need to be convinced that there's a literal, eternal, burning hell and judgment for sin. In Luke 16, 23, King James Version says, And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Charlie Peace, a criminal in England, was being taken to his execution. He listened to a minister reading from the Bible. When he found that the minister was reading about heaven and hell, he looked at the preacher and said, Sir, if I believed what you and the church say, and even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I'd walk over it on hands and knees and think it worthwhile living just to save one soul from an eternal hell like that. Let me tell you, friend, hell is real. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're hell bound, but you don't need to be if you repent of your sins and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. So I want to ask, who do you know who's going to hell unless they accept Jesus Christ? What are you doing to win them to Jesus and his salvation? We must be convinced of God's love for sinners. In John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 2 Corinthians 5.14, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Officer Terry Matthews of the Southern California Humane Society got an emergency call. A boy's pet iguana had been scared up a tree by a neighbor's dog. It then fell from the tree into the swimming pool where it sank like a brick. Officer Matthews came with her net and she dived into the pool, emerging seconds later with a pet's limp body. As the Arizona Republic back in uh, February 14, 1995 reported, she thought, well, you, uh, you do CPR on a person and on a dog, why not an iguana? So she put her lips to the iguanas. Now, she said, now that I look back on it, it was pretty ugly animal to be kissing, but the last thing I wanted to do was to tell that little boy his iguana had died. The lizard responded to her efforts and made a full recovery. Terry Matthews didn't see a waterlogged reptile. She saw a little boy's beloved pet. We may never see the beauty in some people, but when we realize how much they mean to God, We'll do what we can to keep them from drowning. You know, we must be convinced it's our responsibility to witness for Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 1, 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 5, verses 41 and 42, the apostles left the high council rejoicing that they had, been, they had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. You know, many believers are rabbit hole Christians. 
in the morning they pop out of their safe Christian homes, hold their breath uh, at work and scurry home to their families, then off to their Bible studies and finally ending the day praying for the unbelievers they safely avoided all day. It's easy to sit and wait for somebody else to do the job Christ has called us to do. We need to be convicted of the nearness, or we need to be uh, convinced of the nearness of Christ's second coming. Titus chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, we are instructed to turn from godliness, living, and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward to, with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. Matthew twenty four forty four. you also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. You know, we have a lot of work to do, but not a lot of time to get it done. I, I remember... One time when my granddad was janitor of the First Church of the Nazarene of Walla Walla, Washington, and I was helping him, and there had been a, a ridiculous wedding where somebody just t decked the whole fellowship hall out with like a cornfield with dirt and corn stalks and everything else. And Grandpa asked me and a, a friend of mine by the name of Dennis, he asked us to clean the mess in the fellowship hall. Well, we got to playing around instead of doing the work that we needed to do. We got to whacking each other with corn stalks and laughing and throwing dirt clods. And it was a lot of fun until Grandpa showed up. And then, oops, I wished I had taken care of business. You know, one of these days, Jesus Christ is going to show up. And it's going to be more than, oops, I wished I had taken care of business. We need to know that we'll be part of the first resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 58. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been translated into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through the Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. One day, an assistant of the chemist Michael Faraday accidentally knocked a little silver cup into a beaker of very strong acid. In no time, the silver cup disappeared. The chemist was summoned. He quickly put a uh, certain chemical into the jar, and in a moment, every particle of silver came together at the bottom. Removing the shapeless mass, he sent it to a silversmith who recreated a cup that shone as bright as ever. What Michael Faraday did in his laboratory is a small picture of what God will do on Resurrection Day for all his saints. He'll miraculously restore the bodies of all who have died in Christ.
This is the mystery Paul spoke about in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 55 that I read to you. He said, when Christ returns, the living saints will be changed in the twinkling of an eye and the dead will be raised with incorruptible bodies. The apostle wrote, then shall be brought to pass that saying, death is swallowed up in victory. I think Paul imagined hearing the triumphant voices of the saints on that great day. Those who don't die will be instantly changed, will exclaim, O death, where is thy sting? Those who rise from the grave in resurrected bodies will shout, O grave, where is thy victory? What a picture of triumph. How the saints will radiate the glory of the Lord on resurrection day. They are changed into his perfect likeness. In an age of doubt and skepticism, let's affirm with joyful confidence the words of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the resurrection of the body. Those are the convictions we need to have in order to have something we believe so strongly that we'd be willing to die for. I'm willing to die for something. I believe in Jesus Christ. To sum up what I have strong convictions about, I, I want to tell you, I believe in the awfulness of sin. I believe the fact that hell exists. I believe the truth that God loves sinners. I believe that we must tell them or they're going to miss out. I believe Jesus is coming soon and uh, we don't have any time to waste. And I believe we can be part of the first resurrection. Well, I'll close this uh, sermon with this story. When the Texas Rangers were organized, Rangers was a home for all sorts of law, or Texas was a home for all sorts of lawless people. The Texas Rangers were tough guys that had to take on the outlaws and the Santa Ana dictators and all that stuff like that that they did. Captain Bill McDonald ran the Rangers. He taught the Rangers no man in the wrong can stand up against a fellow that's in the right and keeps on a coming. You know, that's the deal. You stand up. You don't back down. Whether it's a negotiations, whether it's an American Revolution, whether it's the, the uh, anti-slavery cause, whether it's ISIS or anything else, you stand up, even if it's by yourself. If Satan comes to try to tempt you and challenge you and make you lose your soul, you stand up, resist him, rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus Christ and, and make up your mind that with the power of Jesus Christ, you're going to stand and be victorious. You don't back down and you keep on coming. That overcomes them because you found something you believe in so much that you die for it. I hope that you know Jesus Christ is your personal savior. I would encourage you that if you don't, that this would be a wonderful time because the Bible says now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. When oh I got it backward, now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. I believe this is the time for you to confess your sins to Jesus Christ. Say, Jesus, I believe you're my Savior, my Lord. You came to save me. I do accept you as my personal Savior, and I do repent of my sins and change my life around. I want to live for you in Christ's name. Amen. And that's what I'm hoping for each one of you today, that you will know Jesus as your Savior and that you will find something that's way more than worth dying for. It's worth living for in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you. 
you want to get in touch with me again, it's uh, lowercase on my in my email address, lowercase R-E-V-W-M-W-W-O-O-D-S at gmail.com. If you want to write to me, you can write to me, William W. Woods, uh, at Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. God bless you. I appreciate all of you. We'll talk to you later, and I want you to live victorious lives for Jesus. Amen.